0: Welcome back to Right Pack Radio. This is your host, David Allen Lucas, author of mystery, science fiction, horror, poetry, and other things. <laughs> and with me today is...
1: Kathleen Kayembe. I am a paranormal romance and urban fantasy writer under the pen name Kaseka Vita. And I like magic, and I've said that before, so someone else should go.
2: Okay. My name Oof. is Jennifer Stolzer. Oh, I'm a fantasy author oh. and illustrator. And I like dissecting plots a lot, so this is a good topic.
0: Yes, this is Jen, Jennifer is over there twiddling—not twiddling of thumbs, but doing the evil mad scientist <laughs> twiddle I, of her hands. I
2: promise I won't dominate conversation with my a million little nit don't decks. make just that keep promise. them oh, on the after make down it. to
0: a minimum. Blah blah
2: blah.
0: She will take over the there world. We go. Okay, moving on.
3: All right, I'm Brad Arcook. Uh, I write stuff.
4: <laughs> um, I'm Meredith Tate. Yeah. Um, I enjoy reading and writing anything dark and speculative, usually for a young adults.
5: I'm Melanie Colaney. I write uh, sci-fi, fantasy, and uh, nonfiction.
0: Okay, and today we're just going to talk about writing stuff. No, actually, what we're going to really do is we're going to talk about plot fails and the forgivable sins. Taking our plots onto Couches and down cul de sacs where we can murder them and make them horrid and letting them go rampant. So, what rampant actually? Rampant or rancid? Rampant.
2: Rampant.
4: rampant.
1: probably <laughs> requires an exposition dump. Jennifer, why are we using all these terms?
2: Exposition dump. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. A lot and of no, of them.
0: Let's not forget about the pitfall here.
2: Nothing like getting a case of the plots. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Please. I, I don't know how to, like, Host this thing I've <laughs> Since I've been um, Start with
3: your favorite of the plot My favorite problems.
2: of plot problems well, My favorite my thing memory. is giving plot problems names There you go Ooh. I enjoy it I've been doing it since I was forced to read books in school <laughs> <laughs> And most of these come from my own mistakes I, I wrote I'll start from the advent of this I suppose the uh, The bamboo trap scene it's my favorite, and I've tried to educate everyone on the fails of the tra- the bamboo trap scene. Um, Would you define the bamboo trap A bamboo scene? trap, as it exists, is a hole in the ground full of sharpened bamboo sticks that stick straight up that someone then uh, thatches over with leaves and dirt to look like there is no hole in the path. Okay, I your, knew what a bamboo trap yeah, was. It's, Trigger warning it's for Im- our
3: Vietnam vets out there. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it's important to know the meaning of the word bamboo trap to understand a bamboo trap scene. Yes. Okay. A bamboo trap scene is when your plot is walking pleasantly along a path, headed from its original spot to its goal, and then all of a sudden it falls into a bamboo trap, mm-hmm. is speared on the spikes and stuck there for an unregistered amount of time until it can crawl its way back out, and then it realizes it's made no progress at all.
0: <laughs> and you've read about 50-some-odd pages.
2: You've written you. you look down at your draft, and you realize you spent 30 pages doing absolutely nothing.
5: So how would this be different from, let's say, a challenge. Let's say someone's just walking along trying to get to their pot of gold and then a dragon attacks. I mean, what That's, separates that from the bamboo trap? A,
2: a dragon attacking is something. A bamboo trap scene is when everyone sits down and talks about what they already know. Or when recap. they go yeah. visit someone's mother for the only excuse of having no reason to be there. You know, to talk ID. about what they already yeah. know. It's all about retreading or spending a lot of time thinking or something. When uh, you're to go off on a dragon, you know, it's like the dragon attacks and we spend 30 years talking about this dragon and it takes us a big in a loop. That would be a plot cul-de-sac. That's a little tiny adventure that we have that's kind of fused on the side of the street. Yep. We just did a little circle. My, the most famous cul-de-sac, in my opinion, is Tom Bombadil. <laughs> Tom Bombadil is a plot cul-de-sac. He is not... A bamboo trap scene. Because he has nothing. Yes, in Lord of the Rings. He has nothing to do with the main plot, but he is kind of an adventure of his own. And he comes back a little bit here and there, but he's not very important. The point is that we go into Tom Bombadil's house, we learn about him, we learn about his lore, we learn about his wife, we learn about his donkey, and then we get back on the road and we go continue where we were going. That took us on a little journey. A yeah. bamboo trap scene is nothing but a painful hole that you lay in for a while. Oh, I would call that quicksand, really. Well that would yeah. work too. it supplement your fatal trap you know, trap flaw where you will.
0: I'm not sure if this shows up so much in Well yeah it does show up still a lot in TV television shows. But what I would call a entire episode of well, the bamboo trap That's yeah, actually what I was just about episode. to talk about. So go okay. ahead. Is where they have Somewhere in the middle of a season, they've got to do a whole recap episode on everything that just happened. So, what, a scene. clip episode?
2: Well, okay, here, Flashback. this is most
3: famously done by every Japanese anime. Ever. <laughs> so, most of them are like 50 episodes long, and then somewhere about 25, 30, you will get an entire episode that is nothing more than the last 25 episodes that you just watched, recapped in tiny little clips or whatever, and then put forward to you. Uh, and for no other reason than they just usually while the it.
2: main character is in jail yes. or in the hospital in some
3: transition you know, period a
2: place where no progress is being made we're all just stuck either you know on a ship or in a building or in our own mental quagmire where we just have to sit and review everything we already know because we think our audience is stupid and can't remember what was happening oh.
3: and for those people who didn't come yeah, into it like halfway through
1: yeah, I have to say I have seen a plot recap episode done well. It was an Avatar The Last Airbender and it was because they didn't strictly recap everything. What they did was they continued the series in terms of the character actions. The characters all went to see a play being put on by an enemy nation about their exploits. They went in disguise, they wanted to see what all the fuss was about, what everyone thought they'd been doing. The play had horribly wrong information And as they're reacting to these things, they they get confused between what happened in the play and what the real people think and feel. So that continues some subplots that way, but it's just
2: hilarious. It was a funny, it.
3: funny episode. It
2: was. It was a plot it was irrelevant to the plot, so it still counts as being oh, yeah. a bamboo trappy episode. Totally. Oh, but yes. it was done in an amusing way. But and it was done at an appropriate point because they really did kind of need to recap three years' worth of show before the end of it. Is I mean,
3: that not something you can do though? Like you can yeah. you can enter into these bamboo traps if you use them well and need them. Mm-hmm. I That's mean,
2: what I would call a forgivable sin.
3: Exactly. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, we've been talking about them. My favorite, though, is the giant plot hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So just throw that out. Giant plot hole. Oh, giant yeah. plot hole. One
2: yeah, is so big,
3: you can walk right through
2: it. David, do you have something to add to the I, Yeah,
0: actually, I do. I'll go back to the, to the bamboo trap for a moment. And I'm wondering, in the case of books, forget the whole entire talk about television for a moment, in the case of books, I'm wondering if sometimes that's not written because the author has lost his way on the path.
2: In which case you need to do another draft and remove
0: that. Agreed.
2: <laughs> I have started many drafts over when I realize that I've fallen into a bamboo trap.
5: Yeah, so there's nothing wrong with writing a bamboo trap. You just subject your readers to one.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's a thing that you can use to organize yourself if you want to while you're writing. If everyone needs to, if your characters need to sit down and say, "Okay, wait a second, what do we know?" and then they refocus themselves, oh. then that's probably a thing those characters actually did. But that's not a thing that your audience needs to read about. Yeah, they just don't do it down. on a couch. Don't do it <laughs> on a couch. We'll get to those later. The <laughs> exposition
4: couch. Um, I going off of what Jen said. I remember reading um, on an agent who posted a list of writing tips, and one of them was to look at all of your chapters, and each chapter write down three ways that the plot moved forward and at least one decision that your main character had to make. And if you can't come up with three ways and one decision, then you have to look at whether or not you actually need that chapter or whether it's just kind of having the plot hang out. Or that
2: scene or that sequence if you have really short chapters. But yeah, it's a really
4: good point.
0: So, well, we it'll prevent
3: you from doing that, you know, as long as you're pushing the story forward, mm-hmm. that's good.
2: It yeah. also keeps your
1: character making decisions, not being acted upon. Keeps basically. them the main character.
3: Active yes.
4: rather than a passive character. Now, and and here's a question. Things. Did D&D
3: open us up to these, you know, cul-de-sac things where you have these little side adventure quests that have nothing to do with the main story, but we love oh, them anyway? And We're for those fun. of
5: us that... Uh, might not know what D&D is. That's Dungeons
2: & Dragons. It's a role-playing game. Yeah, I don't know what Go find they... a new
3: podcast if you don't know what Dungeons & Dragons is.
2: I don't know if they pioneered that with Dungeons no. & Dragons. It, because I can name you, no, no, you no. some myths that take some... No, no, but it's a huge sacs. part of
3: it. So the, the question is, are we more accepting of them now? Well, because series now?
5: really lend itself to plot cul-de-sacs because it's like this... It's a good way yeah, to get into a series for a first time.
0: TV loves them. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, if you want to talk about the ultimate plot cul-de-sacs... Let's just look at the Odyssey.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's
0: going back how far? Anyway. Yeah. Good point. It's
2: like, well, that was fun. Now let's keep going to what we were doing. All right. Let's it's very it. episodic. That was
3: a year down. Let's uh, let's move on now. When you're dealing oh, with
2: on. when you're dealing with episodic media, then technically, you know, every other episode could be a cul de sac if it doesn't further the plot. Not so, every you know some shows are nothing but cul-de-sac. episodic things, you know. Star Trek is mostly called the sex. Well, it's because there's, uh, in the seasons, that don't have an overarching plot. I said mostly, not all. Like an episodic TV show like Family Guy, well, every episode is supposed to be self-contained. Their main characters are not supposed to learn something. No one is actually supposed to change. Yeah, they reset at the end of every episode. And this is how they can go for like ten plus years. Exactly. But we need to make a point that Family Guy is not trying to further a plot. Family Guy is designed to be that way. And so I would call that definitely a forgivable sin because it's the entire framework
4: on which the show is I'm not sure
5: if that's even a sin in that case. Exactly.
4: (laughs) It's a sitcom. I mean, I think sitcoms are with the point of view that you should be able to tune into any random episode and understand what's going on. And to get us back to writing,
2: you know, when you're writing... an episodic series then you can't say oh my goodness this didn't further the development of my main character if your main character is not supposed to develop because they're a detective yeah because they're nancy drew yeah, they're nancy yeah. drew and they're not supposed to learn you know big things about themselves they're supposed to be the one constant in all the books that make them applicable to be serialized
0: if you're james bond and you want to sleep around with a lot of different women that learn better Yeah,
1: it sounds like uh, the plot pitfalls we've encountered so far have been exclusive to series writing.
3: No, no, no. No. Oh, you can totally have any of those. Let me rephrase.
1: Mm. They're better. They're more forgivable in a series yes, than a standalone forgivable. novel.
2: Yes. I would never forgive a bamboo trap scene. You which, fork them things out. Which <laughs> which ones would you
1: guys not forgive? What are well we haven't plot. gone over haven't
2: all of gone. them yet. Yeah. But, well, we let's talk about yeah. Brad's giant gaping plot hole that <laughs> yeah, you could run you a train through. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the oh. big black
3: hole plot hole. The yes. wormhole
2: plot hole.
5: <laughs>
3: any well, I mean any, any giant hole in the plot. And I mean you can find these when all you over the place. Think
5: about it too much and it doesn't make sense. Unless you're Douglas Adams,
2: that's pretty unforgivable. Douglas Adams does that on purpose sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's knowing what the rule that's is why and breaking it on purpose. That's why he was a god. <laughs>
1: so like, give us some examples of giant Yeah, what's,
2: Brad, what's your favorite giant plot hole that you would forgive and that's your favorite giant plot of. hole that you won't forgive?
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, well giant favorite plot hole that I would
5: forgive is pretty much anything Douglas Adams has written, because um, he right. doesn't make yeah, sense yeah, okay. if you think about them too much. Alright. We got it. <laughs> so there's forgivable. We got yeah. that
2: one. Mm-hmm. Uh, unforgivable.
5: Star Trek Into Darkness. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just in general. Just the yeah. whole
0: film. A whole time reboot. Um, yeah,
5: she um, broke
1: David for a minute, by the way. <laughs> in his head in his arms. Not to his hands, his arms. <laughs> just just went down and stopped. He still
2: can't compose himself. He's I'm ready. trying uh, to just sum up
5: like maybe my favorite plot hole there. But like the distance Keep between and silence, planets... Fine is one of them That's and the whole on. thing of wait a minute where this is earth where are all the other starships mm-hmm. um yeah it's like wait a minute oh okay here's my favorite one He's i just remembered laughing. my favorite one my favorite one is a major spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen it but this movie has been out for a while <laughs> with laughter. so um young spock is in command of the Enterprise. Yeah. He is being attacked and his the Enterprise is under threat of destruction by the evil Admiral. Uh-huh. He can't contact Earth because the Admiral is jamming his communications. But he can contact New Vulcan. So what does he do? He contacts New Vulcan. Makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. He talks to Old Spock. Makes perfect sense. Do you know what he says? Does he say, help? Uh insane Admiral is going to kill us and murder all of us. No! He asked for advice on Khan! Mm-hmm. He doesn't say get a message to Earth! Send help! This admiral has committed treason. No
2: <laughs> Is um is that plot hole or is that just characters being stupid? Well,
5: that's just it. It's yeah. not Does count? <laughs>
2: Because I it don't, I don't know if I would say characters being stupid is a plot fail. I would say that is a writing fail. No less,
5: uh, it is the character. It is out of character. No. It, it is, is out of, of character. character. Spock is not supposed to be stupid. Exactly. And He's like no one on stupid. the Enterprise
2: is supposed to be that stupid. <laughs> and no
5: one suggests to do you know, anything. But different. the audience
2: is already that stupid, so they just let it go.
5: Well, not to mention uh, another thing. It's not really so much of this. Isn't re- this is a forgivable one? Okay. But at one point, uh, Kirk is on the Klingon home world Mm -hmm. and he's talking on a communicator with Scotty on Earth Yeah, the longest communicator call in all of history. Uh, They're on Verizon (laughs) yes but uh, the point is that's forgivable but (laughs) that's just the technology is like it works whenever we want it to work and it doesn't work whenever we don't need it to work
2: so, plot holes, to bring us back to topic, yes. plot holes are when the plot the completely breaks, breaks yes. because of one detail that was either included or not included. Yes. Yeah, and
3: usually that detail is left out because the writer is like, I really want this to happen, but I don't Care know out. how to happen, or <laughs> right. how to actually make it happen, so we're just going to write this and hope nobody knows. I mean, <laughs> perfect
0: example. I'm starting to jump in here, because since... <laughs> It's had me laughing the last several minutes.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Let's just talk about real fast. Here's an example of when it should not have happened. But once again, they were trying to rush a movie Mm -hmm. and try to rush their plot. Both the Enterprise and the oh shoot, what's the name of the other ship? Uh, The Avenger or something like that. Whatever, Valiant. Whatever one. The other one. (laughs) They're crashing to Earth. They have. They're not under power. But yet they have covered the distance that a power or a semi-powered flight, like any of the Apollo missions, would have covered in days. They've covered in... Minutes. Minutes.
1: Space magic. Space magic. No, wait. No, yes. the Force. <laughs> if we explain it, it's just not okay yeah. anymore. Yeah, okay. the
5: thing is, the rules of physics change at convenience, and they don't even use hand-waving of technology to explain it. Can I go a step beyond that? Please. Yes.
1: That's... Um,
0: so not just
5: changing the rules of physics but
1: something that bothers me in stories is when something that should be completely available for use is suddenly not because it's convenient to the plot and there's no real reason why say the cell phone is suddenly not working or nobody Horror thinks stories. to use yeah. nobody thinks to use this to call somebody outside for help or what, what
2: would you like to name that one out
1: of signal. No, no, don't name it that. Like, you can't...
5: The cell phone always dies first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I've heard someone else
1: call it that. (laughs) I like that then. I will will take it. Yeah, stuff like that. Just stuff that suddenly stops working or nobody thinks about. Even though it would be the first thing I would think about And most people would think about using in that situation to get out of trouble. I've
5: heard, and I don't know what it is, I think Jen told me, that the reason why Harry Potter number four is so long is because someone pointed out a plot hole, and so she wrote the first half of the book, you know, another
2: first half of the book. The entire Rita Skeeter (laughs) plot was written to stitch up a huge plot hole in book four. What
4: was the plot hole?
2: I do not know what the plot hole was. I don't think the article I read shared that plot Uh. hole, which is probably wise. I do admire but, uh, that, though. But yeah. she had she, a, she went it. back in yeah. and she fixed it real quick by inventing Rita Skeeter and putting that whole plot in.
1: That I admire. Like, if you have a giant plot hole and you go back and you do the work you to make it, it okay. Yes. <laughs>
2: yeah, and I recommend anyone listening to Google that and make sure that it hasn't been debunked at this point.
1: And Rita Skeeter is actually a character I really, really hate because
2: <laughs> I hate her. It's to.
1: beautifully done. Because mm-hmm. she's supposed to be, you know, helping, and she's spreading lies on purpose, and it's making everything worse for everyone in this terribly tense situation. So, yeah, I like that plugging up a plot hole. I'm
2: I'm gonna, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: I'm gonna jump onto the next, onto another one, but that's right. Sure.
2: No, I was going to say that I would take Kathleen's uh, plot fail uh, and fold it into one of mine that I hate a lot, Go which forth. is the convenient uh, misunderstanding. <laughs> I yeah, hate the work. convenient misunderstanding so much. Are,
5: those happen
2: in, like, two-thirds of romance. Exactly. The
5: yes, they do happen in, like, two-thirds it of romance.
2: It happens so often that when it doesn't happen, I cheer. <laughs> <laughs> I've sat in... I've sit in theaters. I've, that was really bad English. I... Sitting in theaters, I have witnessed movies set themselves up for the perfect, convenient misunderstanding. And then suddenly someone looks up and says, Um, actually I learned this from this person and that, and then I go, Yay! And no one knows why. (laughs) (laughs) Just out loud. I did that in Maze Runner, actually. I did. Uh, They had it set up for, I don't remember what part, uh, but Thomas is sitting there, and it's set up perfect that he should keep the secret to himself. You know, something about the past that's being revealed. And instead he turns to the guy next to him and explains everything he knows. So I'm like, yay! Instead of making, you know, keeping it to yourself for no good reason and conjuring this deep... Mistrust between people when a simple explanation would solve the whole thing, you gave a simple explanation and now everyone's cool. <laughs> yeah, we're all no, up to date and we can move on with the plot instead of sitting around so, and waiting for that to resolve itself. I'm trying
5: it's kind of to decide thing. if this is a forgivable in this case, but <laughs> there's one case where these two characters, uh, I'm trying to remember the book, but you know, the hero and the heroine, mm-hmm. and they basically keep falling into the same behavior patterns. He keeps hiding information and she keeps messing up his plans because he does, she doesn't know what he was trying to do. Uh, I love Lucy. <laughs> no, but uh, no, this is a fantasy of something or the other. But the point a, is, that was
2: a
0: joke
2: anyway. But at
5: least they realize that it's a problem and they try and fix it and it happens again yeah. and they get mad again and they try and fix it. But it's it just, almost a thing in that case. Yeah.
1: I, I thought of an example. It is a um, a romance mm. that I'm not going to name because I don't want to. Okay. And it one of us wrote
2: it, right? No. <laughs> no.
1: no. It was no. My
0: horrid attempt at it. I would have smacked
1: one of you if you'd written it. cuz it it hurt me so much. Right. This couple goes through hell and high water to be together. It's been like 7 years. One of them has to go overseas for a while. So they won't have communication, not very not very well. So that happens. They're still together. They're doing everything they can to stay connected, like video calls and everything. The guy comes back home for like a week. He's only going to be stateside for a week. They have a week to be together finally. It's been ages and ages and ages. Stupid misunderstanding. No phone call, no attempt by the one who's been waiting stateside to see this person for like six months. No attempt to resolve it or to even talk about it, have it explained, anything. Hmm. Last day of the week, oh, they have this conversation because... The guy who's going back overseas again seeks him out, blocks his ability to leave because he tries, like an idiot, explains, it was stupid, a stupid misunderstanding. They could have talked it out day one and been done with it. No. <laughs> no. Then and you had the plot for your story. I hate that. Like last, Everything's going great because there's no plot or conflict. And then 15 minutes from the end, if it's a movie, like 10 pages from the end, if it's a story or something, it's just, it's suddenly... De- develops a plot, but not a plot. Plot a misunderstanding at convenience. I hate those so much. Now
5: sometimes the <laughs> the misunderstanding is more complex, and they're really it's like for instance, they actually try and talk to each other, and they might be talking past each other. That's, and that's more, more forgivable.
1: forgivable. Yeah. What I'm thinking of, it just no no attempt. It mm-hmm. was completely out of character. Completely.
0: The go blow up the death star. No, I don't want to go blow up the death star type plot. Not right. trying, yeah. no joke. I'm making a bad joke here, sorry. Man. Twilight? That's, yes. Last okay. 15
4: minutes? Twilight, how the plot <laughs> just the magically terror. manifests in the last 15 minutes of uh-huh. the book. <clears <clears throat> 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 yep. It's yep. always annoying me. Well, uh,
2: Twilight, not to pick on Twilight, but... <laughs> oh, the go whole, for it, you know you want to. The whole second book is just a convenient uh, misunderstanding, because oh, if... Because Edward's like, I can't be with you. I'm out after the whole last book. And then he takes off, and her entire motivation for that whole book is just trying to get either either get Edward back or understand why he left. And he could have said, hey, I left because it's dangerous to be with you, and I'll be back later when I sort myself out. And she'd be like, okay, cool, I'll be waiting right here because nothing ever happens to me.
4: (laughs) (laughs) My biggest complaint about Twilight, and yes, I read all four books, but going off (laughs) of what Jen said about um, Convenience, the fourth book, The entire book is spent building up to this huge battle that's going to have to happen between the Volturi, the bad guys, and the good guys over here in America. And the entire book is them training for it, realizing that this fight's going to happen, making plans around it, and then finally the bad guys come, and they work it out and don't fight. (laughs) And to me, that was a huge act of convenience, and it drove me nuts. (laughs) I
1: heard there was a battle in the movie. What happened there? In Uh, the
4: movie...
2: In they, the movie, millions of young girls weeped and cried and screamed when
4: and Christ thought that everything had ended. <laughs> no, wait. It was a vision. In the movie, they decided to put a fight in there because in the book, nothing happened. So they decided to make something happen. It doesn't by make making it a so fight much. and then being like, oh, no, no, just kidding, that didn't happen. That was my vision that was of what just was a going dream? to happen. It was yes. just a dream.
1: I heard that people like were very surprised by that fight scene in the film, but also like, in the book. felt emotionally like, oh, this was all... And this they, had a cost
2: they wow. weren't, and people were amazed because they weren't prepared to feel emotions <laughs> <laughs> yeah and
4: then they, it
2: was <laughs> all a yeah, dream like nothing happens in
4: that entire <laughs> okay. like 500 page book it was <laughs> all uh, a dream that's uh, another uh, plot uh, device is, yep.
0: yeah. real quick how many I know we're still not gone down all the lists of different problems no do I, you I brought wanna,
2: some <laughs> I,
0: I, I do want to go over the um, composition couch or the, the exposition, exposition couch. exposition couch sorry but so far, the ones we've talked about, can anybody think of any what's considered to be classical fiction that's fallen into this, into any of these holes or I did bring traps? up Tolkien. You did bring Tolkien up Tolkien. Tolkien with his
2: favorite plot told so us You out. got Tolkien. Yeah, has plenty of bamboo traps, in my opinion, as well, like in The Hobbit when they mm-hmm. go to Rivendell and sing for 15 pages. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason that that's in there is because he wrote songs and he wanted to put them in his book. <laughs> Yeah, that that's a that's a
5: okay. Uh, classical uh, Jane Austen. Uh, mm-hmm. She writes a, a lot. Anything that's a comedy of manners. The whole plot revolves around misunderstandings.
0: Okay.
1: There's a book called Snowflower and the Secret Fan. I will forever remember this book. It's by Lisa C. It's brilliant writing, brilliant. But the final conflict, the climactic conflict, is a convenient misunderstanding, where no attempt to Find out what happened is made until a death scene. I cannot explain my rage. Because <laughs> it was oh. so good. And then that happened. And it that, was so and
2: off. And that oh. kept you from forgiving it? Was because yes. you had expected more from the book that you'd read so far? Oh, she
1: was clearly capable. She <laughs> was a brilliant, brilliant writer. I just... It was such a shock to see Uh, something. Some of
5: Shakespeare revolves around that. Uh Mm -hmm. Shakespeare does it
2: well. Yes, Um, he does it well. Like Beatrice Uh, and
5: Benedict. uh, Yeah. Much um, do about nothing. Yes. Yes. Brilliant. (laughs) And that implies what it's about. (laughs) But um, (laughs) I thought of another book. It's not classical. It's Peony and Love. And the main character dies pretty early on in the story, and she's a ghost through a lot of the story. But the whole reason she more or less starves herself to death is because she doesn't think she's going to marry her love, and it's not really stealing anything very much to know that the person that she was arranged to marry was the guy that she was in love with, and she didn't know it. Oh. Oh, bitter
2: irony. Yes. yes.
5: And all she had to do was open her eyes. <laughs> Literally. At one point, she her father gives her an opportunity to see her fiancé. Mm-hmm. And she closes her eyes instead of seeing them. I mean,
0: it's just... It's so, going on, what you were talking about, the composite, of the expo- exposition, exposition couch. couch. I can't, David can't talk
2: today. Uh, all right, we'll move on to the next, another of Please. my favorites. This is a, a pretty recent addition to my list of named... Uh, plot failings and conveniences. Uh, Over summer, I read a book, and I'm not gonna, like, say this is the first time, or the only time that this has ever happened. In stories, I'm just gonna pick on you poor Christy Cook, author of the Haven series, for giving me the name of this specific problem. Uh, Similar to the bamboo trap and the plot cul-de-sac is what I'm going to call the exposition couch. The exposition couch in Haven, uh... The main character, she has the the spooky paranormal boyfriend, and he brings her to his penthouse. And they sit down on this plush couch in his penthouse, and she turns to him and says, So tell me about your race. (laughs) And they talk for, like, two chapters about lore on that couch, and they never move from that couch.
0: Then later,
2: then later in the book... We go do some stuff. We come back to his penthouse and I'm crossing my fingers and I say, please don't sit on the couch. (laughs) Please don't sit on the couch. They sit down on the couch. He says, so tell me about this. And then they talk for two chapters about lore and it became the exposition couch because that's where exposition happened. It's different from getting a case of the plots, which is, I'll also explain... <laughs> or backstory having, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> having a case of the plots is an illness that a character suddenly succumbs to, where he's possessed with the need to vomit backstory all over another character, who usually already knows it. <laughs> so, if, you got, if you're your poor character, uh, here's an example. I've been reading the Skullduggery Pleasant series. I've mentioned them before. I love the book series. It has its failings here and there. This is one of them. Uh... At the end of the previous book, this is in the middle, uh, a big event happens that develops the character of uh, one of our regulars. So, um young man breaks up with his girlfriend, knows that our regular character has had, you know, in the in the huge summation of the last book had romance problems where now he can't be with the woman he loves anymore. So this guy walks into our regular's office, and says, so remember in the last book when you couldn't be with your loved one anymore? And, the, and our regular character looks up and says, why are you telling me this? That would be, exp- that would be exposition barf. That would be backstory barf. He, and it's like, you just want to hand the guy a napkin and say, feel better now? Because he just had to get it all out. And I'm using an illness... Analogy here, because honestly, it's like some sort of a brain fever.
0: <laughs> That's okay, I'm just picturing the exorcist. Yeah,
2: we're, we're it's, the I, I would child. not be surprised uh-huh. if, the, if the backstory barf was pea soup colored. <laughs> and Thank you could you. just, you know, it's just dripping off of people, just <laughs> spewing about the room. Because who would walk into somewhere and tell people what they already know? Especially if it's like, like emotionally troubling to them. Uh, and it's both of those, both the exposition couch scene where we all sit down and learn something, or the the plot illness scene where we tell each other stuff that we should already know. So you remember when we were in high school? As you Back know. when we met? <laughs> that was great times. I know, thanks, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> both these are, are, they're just, they're writing uh, Writing cop-outs, then, trying to get lore and backstory into s- places that they don't belong, and it feels wrong, and it feels gimmicky, and it feels tropey. Also known as the info dumping. Also known or as info dumping. It's, it's a general <laughs> info dumping illness yes. tree.
0: I really don't know if I'm quoting Stephen King or if I'm quoting Elmore Leonard, because hmm. both have got, both have or had—I'm sorry, Mr. Leonard has passed away. Hmm. So I'm putting him in the past tense. Great advice on writing and one of them said that when it sounds like he doesn't write what sounds like writing
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so when so that's what that's, that's what exactly it cuts out described. all the parts
3: that sound like right, in the right. There,
0: right? Yeah. it's elmore Leonard. elmore Leonard. thank you
2: delete all the words no one wants to read
0: that too <laughs> so do you have any other terms terms uh-huh well, no one
2: wants to discuss about having backstory issues, but I guess we've probably covered that in another I don't know episode. if I can
3: eloquently, as eloquently state the, the, the barfing up as, backstory
2: <laughs> do, barfing as much as you have. Do enjoy imagining any character yeah. you read in a book from here on out who starts doing that, getting that little cross-eyed expression <laughs> and just vomiting <laughs> all over someone else's shoes. Oh. How, oh. how is this? <laughs> sorry, that was the backstory.
5: How, how, is, how is backstory bar distinct? From A Case of the Plots. That's the same thing. It's oh, the same okay.
2: thing. You get, you get A Case of the Plots, and it causes you to barf backstory. Yes. And I'm sorry
0: to say this. I'm going to pick on a very, very good writer. Down in your giant but, but she is known to do it, and that's Anne Rice.
2: Mm. A it's,
0: lot of backstory.
2: It's like... And, I'll you know, a favorite target of this table, the Star Wars prequels, <laughs> Yes, is they... The Star Wars prequels is not known for its writing, which is probably its greatest failing, in my opinion. But it is very—you know—all three of them are just full of characters who either sit on a couch and talk, or walk down a hall and talk, or stop walking and talk. Mm. And it's we're gonna
3: go plot holes. And,
2: yeah, we're gonna—we can take it's the the writing in the prequels is not top notch. Yeah, Lane. Yes. How if
1: you're writing a series or? Something sequential, and you're not on the first one anymore. How do you give the reader the information they need from previous books, just in case they have not read them, without going into all of these info dump, case of the plot situations?
0: Or down call to sack, or anything else?
1: Yeah, uh,
2: I'm actually reading a very good example of that one right now. Mm-hmm. I've picked up Anne McCaffrey for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. I started reading the Harper Hall series to start with, and I'm on number two. Number two picks up immediately where the previous one left off, and th- every single point of reference to the past, and it's written in third person. I'll make a note, so it's not like I thought about the time when I was trapped in a cave halfway up a hill, and I happened to impress nine fire lizards. You know, it's not like that. The point is, she shows up with nine fire lizards. Everyone's like, "Holy cow! How'd that happen?" She's like, "Oh well, I was, you know, I was trapped in a hill, up, you know, halfway up a hill." Oh really? That is tough. Well. How, what are we going to do with them? It's like, well, I'll just make sure that they stay up in the rafters because I can tell them what to do. And it felt natural because it wasn't, sit down and let me tell you the story of the previous book. Yeah, so <laughs> catch. It was a conversational thing they where were she, yeah, her where mentally them. was sharing information that the other person logically wanted to hear. And how, you know, she didn't stop and say, oh, I impressed nine fire lizards. Also, uh, this is my father, and this is my mother, and this is how I left home, and this is why I have injured feet, and this is how I got to the where in the last episode, and by the way, I am now the Master Harper's Apprentice. And, you know, the other person goes, okay, and then wipes the plot off their face.
5: (laughs) Yeah, uh, another thing that I find works surprisingly well, in fact, sometimes when I'm writing I write the last chapter, and then the next to last chapter, and I write backwards. Oh, wow. And this is a very early draft, mind you. <laughs> but the point is, by the time you've done all that, and then you read it forwards, it's amazing how many of the little pieces are already there. And it's like, you just give what you need to understand so people aren't completely lost. They don't need to know the backstory. At least they don't need to know the backstory right away.
0: Probably one of the best novels, or sorry, actually, that's not true, novels. Novellas. Hmm. It handles backstory and handles the plot really well. Now, it's not a series, so it didn't deal with what you just talked about. Uh-huh. But it is Ethan Frome. Ethan Frome, if you really look at it, the symbolism is there throughout the entire story. The characters are there, and it's like an onion. A really well done, created onion, which is as you peel each layer back, you're learning more and more about the characters without having the plots fall on your face. Uh-huh.
2: In, in fact, it's much more interesting that way. And See, cr- that's the goal. The yeah. goal is to avoid these things so that you are writing an interesting and engaging story throughout.
0: And I think really the author is crying because it's like peeling an onion. You're having to—it's an work onion,
2: not a parfait. Exactly, <laughs> there is pain involved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got any other any other ones, and then I'm, I want to ask the question.
2: I will ask your question.
0: Okay, how do we avoid these? If a listener's out there laughing their butts off, I hope I. Know. I hope so. Um, one of the questions, if they're a spe- especially if they're a very beginning writer, is how the hell do I avoid this? Write really well.
2: <laughs> That's a nice
0: statement. Nice, uh, nice, nice try. Yes. Way to go! I'll give you a high five over the mic.
2: As you can uh, as you can tell so far, I avoid them by putting names on them. Yes. Because mm-hmm. when I name them, I recognize them. Uh, I do the same thing with, uh, I've mentioned the zombie, the by zombies trick for passive Mm -hmm. voice. If you can put, if you can finish a sentence with by zombies and it still makes sense, you've written it in the passive voice. A good example would be, uh, Jeff was stoned by by zombies. zombies versus they stoned Jeff, in which you know they stoned him, he was stoned by them. And not zombies.
0: Unless they stoned him with zombies.
2: Unless the <laughs> zombies stoned him.
0: Yeah, so we won't talk about z zo- Anyway. Yes,
2: and uh, um, extra extra uh, instances of the word just and the word very. I made the point in my own writing that when I'm reading and an unnecessary just appears, I always say it with a certain suspicion. And then just. it So, yeah, like you're reading along, it's like, I just wanted this. And I go... Just <laughs> And then I know that I that's, just you know, it's like, so when I'm reading and it says, I just wanted this. I'm like, oh, I don't need that one. <laughs> I just Because if it reads it. fine without that word, yes. you don't need it. And same for very and really and all those. those um, yeah, um, yeah, of words. Yeah,
3: they're um words. Even. Yeah, you can get rid we of those. We stick them in as placeholders as we think of the next word we're going to use or something like that.
2: I do the same thing with the word even. Because I hate it when people use the word even. You know, you're listing something and it says, Today at, you know, Walmart we have a sale on on couches, tires, and even lamps. No, not lamps! <laughs> you use the word even when the last in the list is like, I can't believe it's yep. even that! So it's like, if I can finish, if I can read something or write something and finish it with, you know, even this, no, not that... And then you don't need even, you just either make it a list or you rearrange them. Like if couches are really, really expensive at Walmart and you say, we've got lamps, tires, and even couches, like, wow, couches, I didn't know that was on sale, let's go check it out, this is special.
3: See, I would say you you hit on exactly kind of the right point. Mm-hmm. Check it, listen to it, read it over, read it out loud because that's a beautiful way of hearing it. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't need to be there, get rid of it. Yeah, it and, loves you, and that goes yeah, for all. Well, you can, but if they're not, if they don't know about all the plot holes and all the plot, you know, problems, they might miss all that stuff. No, no, but say, for you, read it out loud.
0: No, I said have someone else oh, read it oh. out loud.
3: Oh, to you exactly. If, oh, they, that's if they love you, <laughs> if they love you.
5: Yeah, okay, well, there's two things. The first easy one is um, cut out all the exposition. (laughs) Then give it to someone and see if they can follow it and understand it because it's surprising. For instance, um, if you're having a conversation and one person just hears one side of the conversation the reader can fill in the other side of the conversation a lot of
2: the time. Without the person on the phone going, oh, really, that, and repeating what the person is saying? Because that's like classic Metal Gear right Exactly. You mean
3: that's not classic? I was just kidding. I was going to repeat the last thing you said.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, um, by the way, Metal Gear, I'm referring to Metal Gear Solid with... With Solid Snake as yes. the main character, video game, and they're, he's they're all kind he's of known for repeating the last yes. two words of everyone's sentences with a quizzical expression, <laughs> specifically when talking about Metal Gears, which are like <laughs> giant mobile nuclear launch pads. So someone says, uh, "They called it Metal Gear," and he goes, "Metal Gear." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. when you Metal Gear something, that would be you repeating the last line of the last person's sentence. <laughs> With a question for more information. But
5: I I also have a suggestion for a book that might be a bit hard to find, but it's called Plotto, the Master Book of All Plots by William Wallace Cook, And uh, this is kind of like, it's a manual to help you construct plots. Mm -hmm. And um, I've heard reviews on it on Amazon that says, yeah, it really helps if you're good at math to do this. (laughs) But... um, Uh, William Wallace uh, Cook was a pulp fiction writer and he wrote something Mm -hmm. like 50 books a year. He was incredibly prolific. 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 Thank you. And um, he came up with plots very fast and frankly they were formulaic but the point is this can get you started and it can give you the elements of the plots and you can build from there.
3: plot formulas can keep you from making some of these mistakes. But, okay, to to give you some answers on how to, to get rid of these things. So, info dumping... Uh, It's a problem. It's a really big problem for a lot of amateur writers or first-time writers. Uh, Get rid of it. Give it to a character. See if you can incorporate it not in Chapter 1. Maybe in Chapter (laughs) 10 or Chapter 15. Make it something else. Uh, For giant plot holes... Um, that just requires a lot more thought. Or so a good think about reader. Yeah, think about how the the scene's actually unfolding. What's the motivation? Think about oh, how your character really can No one's feel. mentioned
5: this yet, and I can't pronounce it, so could someone please pronounce... Deus Ex Machina? Thank <laughs> you! Yes!
2: Yes. That's, uh... I, would you like me to write it phonetically out for
5: you? <laughs> Somehow I can't pronounce it, even though I can see it, but, um... That's another thing we haven't discussed, problem, but prob- that's that's when God, or the story equivalent, it doesn't actually literally have to be God, mm-hmm. comes in at the end and solves the problem. Ooh. Indiana
0: Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yes. You know, would actually you really with
3: work. anything, mm-hmm. that star- you know, without Indiana Jones, that movie doesn't change.
4: No. <laughs> oh, no, no that's from no. the Big Bang Theory?
3: That partially, yeah. yeah. That was kind of crazy. And actually, uh, I was just reading one today where... Uh, had had they not interfered, Hitler would have been there when they opened it up, and Hitler's face would have melted off. So actually, Indy
2: saved Hitler. Saved Hitler, but you, then, no. but then Hitler would be our main character, and it'd be a very different movie. It
3: would, it would. And instead, we just got him signing an autograph for Indy.
5: <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, but uh, I've seen it. It's done in a lot of. I think that comes from plays on Greeks, where the mm-hmm. Greek gods actually come in and save the day. Yeah. But so be um suspended from the wiring the machine, but it it's when God's come in is when any outside force that really isn't a major character beforehand comes in and saves the day in the nick of time. It's a miraculous save, right, like the Calvary arriving in time, yeah, unless Calvary. they
2: were it was hinted that the cavalry were supposed to be on their way all through the book, yeah, then well, <laughs> even a couple scenes prior if if before we started the final battle they said, if we could stick it out until the cavalry arrives, great example is when Gandalf comes back yep. in Two Towers. It's like I will be back by sun, you know, sunrise on what was the fifth day I yep. believe. And uh, then and it's like. So, it like and then are. he arrives, and we're like, yes, that is. that. You could technically call that a deus ex machina, but I don't think it is. I don't think I really was no. It was never given. Anyway, because it they actually is. go
3: through day by day, and at that point, you kind of forget yeah. about the fact that they're mm-hmm. coming, and then all of a sudden, you're
4: like, oh my god, it's been five days! Woohoo! If he come back early and saved everyone, yeah. then yes, that would yes. have been, yeah. Which I was just going to say is that I think we've discussed this before, (laughs) which is that coincidence should get your character into trouble, but should never get your character out of trouble. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah, good point.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Unless you have an improbability drive. Well, let's just say that
2: Douglas Adams is excused from everything. Yeah, All things ever.
1: I'd say the same with magic um, as coincidence, you know. You can get your character into trouble, but it should not be the only thing that gets them out of it. Some Internal thing should be what? Yeah, magic should today.
3: be a tool. It shouldn't be the grandiose of everything yes. that fixes all. It gets you into
1: trouble
5: in Star. Trek, Unless you're right. writing a
3: fairy tale and it's the end where, like, you know, the the destroyed, decaying forest suddenly regrows and turns all green and the flowers all sp- pop right out. Fire
0: magic missile. That, that's the one I like. That, that's <laughs> the
3: only real like, you know, magical nature just fixing everything kind of thing. Oh, or. it I was,
1: doesn't do that really in fairy tales. In fairy tales, it's something the main character firm has belly? done and.
2: In Fern <laughs> Ferngully, Maggie did that, and she gave her life, thank you. I know. Honor her sacrifice. It's it was, awesome. It had a price. The magic came at a high price.
3: Exactly. Magic should always come at a high price.
2: But the thing is... In, in our
3: world now, it's got a threefold return.
5: Yeah. In uh, Star Trek, any episode with Q,
2: that's technically... Q was, was handled very well in yes, Star Trek. Yes, he's handled well. He could have he's easily a become a a problem. Yes, Because but he can do anything. They follow but the convention.
3: Q gets them into trouble. They get the And Q's then Picard out. gets them out of trouble. Most of the time. <laughs> Except for the Borg, technically, and yet... Or Riker. I right. mean, there was that one episode where he
0: got offered Q. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: love Q. Yeah.
0: yeah. The Q was well done. So, okay. Um,
3: with that, is there any last... Which is another giant plot hole because who turns down God power?
1: A smart person. Logical people. I don't
3: <laughs> God. Come on, who <laughs> no. would not be a Q? Riker would so be a Q. He'd be Have like, Have you
4: seen the red Oh, tank? I'm going
3: to go back to being number two on the ship because I had all these godly powers and little Crusher was like, Harry Potter Ew. turns down
4: the elderwand in the end. Absolute yeah, way. I know. You're supposed <laughs> to turn down all power the great power. corrupts with... absolute
1: power.
2: Correct. Also, Absolutely. what is our example of what it's like to be a Q so far? I mean, I feel they like they've to They've got to do so much paperwork. <laughs> they got to answer to like 30 people. It sounds like a pain in the butt. So you graduated to godlike bureaucracy? Yeah, yes. like, exactly. Alright, I think a good way to conclude... A horrible case in the Mondays. Um, <laughs> We went to... We did a whole bunch of fails. We talked about a couple ways that we forgive them. Let's mm-hmm. talk about some of your favorite forgivable sins real quick. Like, what's a trope that you really like that
4: mm-hmm. is either
2: overused or a situation in which something was overused and you liked it? Is okay. there anything that comes to mind? Real
3: quick, throwing out one of my favorites in Star Wars. So you have Luke Skywalker. He's on Bespin. He just finds out, oh my god, that scary dude is my dad. You know, I'm, I'm horrible. My hand just got chopped off. Mm-hmm. Oh, It sucks. And then he plummets. Uh-huh. Okay, now the reality is, why doesn't Darth Vader just catch him with the Force and pull him back up and then take him off? Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that I way prefer the gigantic fall leading into the weird tube. I don't know how that happened either. You know, he <laughs> yeah. just magically goes whoop and slides into this tube. And
2: He's conveniently and on the he, outside and where really he picked up by closely. his friends.
0: You watch closely; he actually moves over a little bit to make sure. He gets yeah, him.
2: yeah.
3: So there's there's all that weirdness, and then you know he's sitting there hanging underneath, and you get that cool image of him hanging. Yeah, I, I love the way that progressed. So I'm willing to forgive some of that. So I'm willing to forgive characters not doing what they probably should have done mm-hmm. in order for kick ass plot points.
5: So you're you're willing to forget small potholes?
3: Totally. It's the
0: giant ones that I can walk through that I have issues with.
2: <laughs> if the payoff is good.
0: If it feels like you just ran over a pothole, you're fine. If you can drive your car through it, it's another issue. Yeah,
2: right. if it falls in.
5: Exactly. Although I enjoy dissecting movies with giant potholes, so sometimes there's some entertainment. I like picking right
2: them apart as well. Yeah. All right. Any other examples of, of forgivable sins?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go for it. Please um, I'm thinking here I mm-hmm. can come up with right
1: Well, I thought of a film one, but I know there are book ones that I absolutely love. So, I'm going to do the film one for now because it is a self-aware plot hole, like mm. not plot hole, forgivable sin. Um some something convenient saves the day. Emperor's New Groove. It is a cartoon <laughs> and at the end a trampoline happens to be where a character is going to fall off of a high ledge and another character opens a portal, like a a portal and accidentally smashes the bad guy so the good guys can get what they were looking for that the bad guy had. Kronk is very aware that this is weird. He's like, what are the odds of this? What are the odds of that that portal opening up here? (laughs) None. None. Those are the (laughs) odds. And it's terribly aware of that. And it just makes light of all these convenient little things that would not happen. And
2: that's because of tone. It set a tone where it doesn't care. And you're supposed (laughs) to also laugh at it. Yes. So then if it had been a super serious film up to that point, Mm -hmm. and it just so happened that he opened the door and smashed the bad guy so that everything worked out, would you be willing to forgive that? Oh no. (laughs) But why didn't you
1: tell me that nobody ordered this trampoline here? You let me set it up and everything. (laughs) Bounce. Mm -hmm. Beautifully done.
5: Yeah, that that is one thing I I do like. The the convenient coincidences that get characters out of trouble. I mean, if it's done right. There's um, a book that I read last
1: week called Spider's Bite. It's by Jennifer Estep, and I'm officially in love with this person. Officially in love with her writing. Um, in the book, it's an elemental assassin urban fantasy and paranormal romance. And the main character goes through a lot of stuff that she then has to fill in other people about. That's not written out. She's just like, yeah, I explained it, and then you move on. That was the best exposition dump I've ever seen done, because there was no dumping.
2: Was just uh, I mentioned kind of my forgive, forgivable sin and a situation earlier with, when I was describing backstory barfing. Uh, I love... anytime The way that you will get me to forgive any problem is for someone in the room to look at them and go, Really? <laughs> <laughs> the minute it becomes self-aware, I'm ready to forgive it. If they sit around for three years and talk about everything that's happened to them so far, and I'm rolling my eyes, and someone says, "Can we leave already?" <laughs> then it's like, this is that's better. I, I might be able to let you get away with that because you know what you're doing, and I, that's when I start to have faith in the author again. Mm-hmm. If you're if the author or the show writer, or screenwriter, or whatever has shown me so far that. They got this in the bag, and something weird happens. I'm more ready to forgive them for it because they've done a good job up to this point. Unless they drop it so utterly bad, I'm not going to go into my gripes about the Mass Effect ending again. But the ending of Mass Effect was such a misstep that I couldn't. I, that is not a forgivable sin. I'm not willing to forgive them. But Nobody forgave them for it. Either. No, one, no one else forgave them. A what few was people forgave that? them. I mean, Th- that's, a, that's a conversation. Okay. I'll send you a link. <laughs> I've got, like,. Five hours of YouTube videos to send you about the <laughs> but end, at the end of that This was movie. not the ending to the story they were telling us. But um, it was, again, a tonal shift. Ah. Like, they set up this idea that we have characters, these characters love each other, these characters will do anything for each other, your decisions matter, because the whole plot of Mass Effect is you are Commander Shepard, your decisions yeah. are life or death your decisions affect the next game in the series. And here in the last game of the series, we thought all those decisions we'd made for all of this time would have a big impact on how it was going to end, and they didn't have time to complete an ending in which that took place. Oh. Instead, they kind of gave you an arbitrary, and here's your ending decision, oh, congratulations, you finished the game. <laughs> and they completely ignored all of our friends that we put together because it was too much trouble, or it was they didn't have time and money. Well, to be honest, I'm not going to blame people, it was time and money. They didn't have time and money to implement all the different variations of the last three games, so they just shoved them all aside and gave you this thing to finish it, and it felt... Bad. It was a bad thing. <laughs>
0: wow. Unless you just mentioned something and you said it before and I didn't jump it then. The one sin in the plot is the plot reset. Yes. It be, if unless you're doing something like Star Trek where you know you've gone through everything and yeah, Episode no,
2: in
5: the
0: bottle. Episode yeah. in the bottle. Where it doesn't apply to anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Brad Meredith, any finals?
4: Um, Brad gave his do you have any okay. well more? just one final forgivable thing for me is sometimes in I don't read a whole lot of romance but some of the romance that I've read is that the characters is like it's very implausible that they would end up solving everything and getting together but it ends with them together because romance trope is that have a, either a happy for now or a happily ever after and honestly mm-hmm. I forgive that because I like it I don't want to end it depressed and being like well why aren't they together I want uh-huh. to read it and be happy so that's something I can forgive I'm into
0: that excellent <laughs> And on that note, I am going to say this is the happy ending Yay. of this episode of the Right Pack. But before I go, we still have a public service announcement out there. STL Books, who is very gracious in giving us space to record, is currently seeking an experienced publicity writer. Does not have to have an ex- does not have to be an expert, but solid on social me- on social media, Facebook, Twitter, etc blogging, and media placements preferred. Hourly pay based on experience level. Please contact Robin, R-O-B-I-N, at stlbooks.com with an email to include your interest, resume or bio, pay rate, and some samples. And thank you for listening. The write back would like to thank STL Books for allowing us to record in their bookstore. STL Books and Gifts is St. Louis' newest independent bookstore with an emphasis on fine literature for adults and children and the most comprehensive selection of St. Louis books available anywhere. Visit them online at stlbooks.com or in person at 100 West Jefferson Avenue, Kirkwood, Missouri, 63122. Tune in next week as the Right Pack will conquer yet another pondering issue in the writing industry. Theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her.